your weekly fix of Asian music. This is Asian Pop Nation. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome aboard to Asian Pop Nation tonight. The first two songs you heard were some great brand new releases. First coming from Indonesian-Australian artist Michelle Limanje with her latest single called Pluviophile's Song, which is composed, produced, and written just all by her. The song kind of details the joys that can come from rainy days. And yeah, it's just honestly a really pleasant listen. We also played it. Kawaguchi Yurina's solo debut track called Look At Me, who, fun fact, was a contestant during the popular Korean trainee competition show, Girls Planet 999. Once again, thanks for joining us tonight. My name is Leisha, and we will be having our APN team of Xenia, Celeste, Tracy, JP, and Aaron tonight, just providing all the juicy details from topics such as G-Idol's latest comeback, a new sci-fi romance movie starring the love of my life, Lana Condor, various new anime adaptations and new season announcements and reviews, and just a lot more content as we do here in APN. So come join us tonight as we go through all of these discussions tonight, but also give you all the latest Asian music from across the globe, starting with Korean-American artist Ailey with her song called Murder on the Dance Floor. Stay right here on Asian Pop Nation. This is Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. My name is Leisha. Hi there. And you were just listening to Ailey's Murder on the Dance Floor. We also played the Japanese sister duo Kitri with their song called Hidari Mimi Ni Melody or Melody in the Left Ear. And lastly, we played Taiwanese artist Easy Weeds with their songs called Fangwen. Shout out to our APN member Tracy, by the way, for not just this Taiwanese artist song, but also really just diversifying our ears, I think, with more indie Asian artists in our playlist. Speaking about Tracy, she will be taking us through her discussion about the K-pop girl group G-Idol, who just had their new comeback after quite a handful of trials and tribulations, if you happen to be keeping around in like the K-pop scene for a bit. But yes, they are back with their first full album called I Never Die, which was released earlier this month. And yeah, I will just let Tracy lead on this topic discussion. So take it away, Tracy. Hello, this is Morning Tracy. Sorry for my morning voice. I'm going to talk a bit now about this new G-Idol comeback before I cut to a group discussion we had on their promoted single for this release, Tomboy. So, G-Idol released their first full-length album, I Never Die, on March the 14th. This was their first proper group release in over a year, and in K-pop terms, this is basically an eternity. G-Idol, or just Idol, as their name is supposed to be pronounced, is a group I've followed casually for a very long time. To me, they have a lot of similarities with my favourite K-pop group, which is the boy band Pentagon. Pentagon and G-Idol are very much sibling groups, along with CLC, because they debuted two years apart under the same company, Tube Entertainment. This means that some of them train together, they use the same rehearsal rooms, and they share a lot of the same producers. And they all have to put up with Cube's horrible PR management. We'll get to that later. Because of this, I think they share similar strengths. Stage presence is a big one for both of them, they can both embody different concepts pretty well on stage, and they have pretty consistent musical output. And the main reason why their music is so enjoyable, I think, apart from their great vocalists, is the fact that both are self-composing groups. Pentagon and G-Idol are known for having several really good idol producers, uh, most notably their leaders, Soyeon and Hui. G-Idol are particularly notable for being a female self-producing group, which is very much a rarity in the industry. Off the top of my head, the only other example I can think of from like the past 10 years of a girl group where a member consistently composes their title tracks, like not just B-sides, is EXID. And the EXID aren't around anymore, so I feel like it's just G-Idol there. And finally, both G-Idol and Pentagon are united in dubious scandals that cost them their main dancer. For Pentagon, it was a dating scandal, the Dawn and Hiena dating scandal, which was really damaging to the group and took the wind out of their sails for a good two years. G-Idol's scandal was a bullying scandal, so basically their main dancer, Sujin, was accused of being a bully in middle school, and after a lot of back and forth, she was forced to leave the group. This was part of a whole wave of celebrity bullying scandals from last year that affected sports people and actors as well as K-pop idols. 
This recent G-Idol album, I Never Die, is the first fully promoted release they've had since Sojin was kicked out of the group. So there's been a lot of anticipation for it, I guess people have been asking whether or not their fanbase and public recognition has been affected by this long drawn out scandal. Luckily for them, the scandal seems to have galvanised their fanbase and brought in a lot of interest from non-fans. The saying, no news is bad news, must apply here. In just its first week of release, their album sold more than 176,000 copies, making it a new personal record for the girls. Just for reference, selling over 100k is considered solid, stable fanbase numbers for a boy group, but it's crazy numbers for a girl group. In terms of the music itself, I Never Die is a fun listen. Every track is a collaboration between a G-Idol member and one of their regular in-house producers. You've got Pop Time, Houdini, a lot of names that you'll be familiar with if you follow G-Idol. There's a lot of guitar on this, which is nice to see. And my top three tracks are Never Stop Me, Villain Dies, and My Bag. Never Stop Me is the standout track for me, personally. It's just pop-punk perfection. The other main pop-rock track on this is the title track, Top Boy. Speaking of which, I'm going to cut right now to a group discussion about this track where we discuss some of the mixed reactions to it. Tomboy is an Avril Lavigne early 2000s sounding pop rock song and you've all just watched the MV for it. What can we talk about in terms of the music video? I'm really interested in what you think, JP, because you don't listen to K-pop. No, I don't. Um, What can I say? It's like, it's hella red. Yeah, it's hella red. It's hella <laughs> punky. And uh, ooh, in your face, and you know, makes me Go question box. why I'm such a cranky boy. I don't understand <laughs> the outfits though. Like, there's one bit where they've got ACDC stuff, They're and then the really? next is like, like no they stuff. look great, but it's just like, why? I think Shuhua at one point literally has a skirt that's just made up of band tees which have been ripped up. Uh, really? It's very like rock chick. They really committed to that aesthetic. Yeah, it's it's the early two thousands vibe. That's um, I think that's yeah. what they're trying to get here, Celeste. It's an artistic decision. My <laughs> God, the early two thousands rock scene is having a real big comeback in Korea. Korea just really is starting to really get into rock, including really bad rock like Oasis, like yeah. all these soul kids. <laughs> I'm just getting really into rock. Combine that with the sort of early two thousands Y two K thing, and you get Avril Lavigne pop punk comeback. In terms of the wider reaction from the K-pop fanbase, there were two main points of discussion that came up a lot. The first was that the English in this is questionable. When you click on the video, the subtitles come automatically. I think if the subtitles did come up automatically, you wouldn't really know it was English. And it wouldn't be nearly as bad. But instead, you click on the video and the first thing you're greeted with is like, my toe. Look, my toe. And you're like, no. <laughs> I personally think that the English is fine after a couple of listens, you become desensitized to it. And I never really go to K-pop for like groundbreaking English lyricism anyway. I think it's just that first verse is really bad and the rest of it is like, okay. I just think it's interesting that it's the first verse with the English parts that caught you off guard because um, as Celeste and I mentioned off air, for both of us, it's Soyoung's full English rap part. That kind of threw me off like the most out of everything. I think all the other like one-liner English words that they used in the song was like, okay, cool. But Soyoung's rap part, you know, she tried and that's all I was saying. <laughs> it, there was an attempt. That was the second thing I was going to get to. People were saying that Soyoung just doesn't go off and that's why it's an inferior G-Idol title track. I will say though that the main reason why people are pointing at Soyoung's rap verse especially is she has a reputation for being like a very good rapper and people want her to like spit fire in all of their songs. Honestly though, I think some of Soyoung's lines are okay. Her first line in this is Why are you cranky and that's just a good line. It yeah, is a good idea. line. Yeah. It's just the way she says it where I'm just like, you don't have to go, why are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Celeste, on the contrary, I actually like the way she raps and sings. Like, this is my first foray into the G-Idol world. So I don't know for sure. But like, I like her. I like the nasally voice. Like, in general, I like nasally voices. She does yeah. it better in, when she raps in Korean, like, really fast it's just this one bit where i'm just like no. i don't mind her voice either she sounds a lot like hyana but like so naturally talks like this really so that's just like the way she talks yeah wow damn dream girl <laughs> 
I think that's about it for the general discussion with the group. But whether or not you liked it or you didn't like it, please let us know on Asian Pop Nation on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hi everyone, this is your Asian Pop Nation captain for tonight, Leisha speaking. We just flown past three songs, first coming from the Code Air Trio group present with the song called Crazy Driver. We also had Min Hao, aka The Eight, with his song called Hai Cheng. And lastly, we have quite an interesting mix of sub-genres with the song by Croy called Small World. Of course, an appropriate song for our next topic for tonight involving looking beyond just our world, planet Earth, and into space as we're going to be talking about the trailer for a brand new space adventure film starring the well-known rom-com actress herself, Lana Condor, the icon. I love her. So let's just put on our spacesuits as we talk about the trailer for the movie Moonshot. Do you know what Lana Condor and BTS have in common? Oh my everyone? god! <laughs> no? Why? So Why? Why would you? Why would you? Do Why? That? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I think it's a good combination. I don't know what you're on about. And you know what makes this combination even better? It's no. a rom com <laughs> on Mars. Well, technically not yet on Mars, but in space. So we're talking about Moonshot. The upcoming sci-fi romantic comedy film with, you guessed it, Lana Condor, as well as Cole Sprouse. No, not the Sprouse twin that was in that Chinese drama, (laughs) the other Sprouse twin. So the trailer was recently released and it's set to be released on HBO Max at the end of this month, March. So it's going to be produced by Greg Berlanti, who is best known for his works with the Flash, the TV series, Riverdale, and also the Netflix series You, which I, I personally love. You, um, I mean, You's not really a rom-com, but, um, <laughs> uh, but in terms of films, he has directed a rom-com before, uh, Love, Simon, if people remember it or have watched it, and was also the producer of 2021's Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds. So he's got a good range of films in his back catalogue. But yes, Moonshot is set in the not-too-distant future, and... Lana Condor and Cole Sprouse play Sophie and Walt, who join forces in order to be reunited with their significant others. So I believe from the trailer, Lana Condor is going to see her boyfriend who has a job on Mars. So she enrolls herself in the Mars program to see him. And Walt, on the other hand, is actually just, you know, an everyday barista who decides to illegally sneak himself on board on the exact same spaceship as Sophie, because as he explained in the trailer... He has always dreamed of going to Mars one day. But, you know, it's a rom-com. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. That's why we love rom-coms. It's a mystery. <laughs> so what are your thoughts, uh, everyone's thoughts on the trailer? Uh, I love how cheap the set looks. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in a really positive way. Like, it looks like um, like an 80s space show. So like simple panels, <laughs> like neon and like, colors, yeah, and, neon yeah. colors and stuff. Like you know, it feels like a full-on CGI, you know, sterile white, ooh, technological sci-fi. It would like it would suck because it's supposed to be a rom-com, right? So this is a they've done a good thing with the yeah. cheap sets. Yeah, it feels like <laughs> Doctor Who, which notoriously has very cheap sets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will watch it. As yeah. I hold I hold hands together with Xenia with being a rom com enthusiast. So I'm excited. I just it's just come on, you watch it. They're like going to Mars. It is a rom com. Mars. I don't know. It just sounds so appealing. <laughs> it sounds so appealing. And I I love Lana Condor so much. I think she's like like she's just a really cool actress. Obviously, we all know her for the To All the Boys I Love series trilogy. And till this day, I am still slightly pissed off that her romance, like, partner in that movie, which was Noah Centineo, he got, like, all the bajillion deals after the series came out. And, like, freaking Lana Condor got, like, what? Like, it was, like, low-key, like, radio silence after the To All the Boys series. Like, she didn't get as much, like, deals and stuff. And then it- I mean, this looks a lot more promising than all the deals Noah Centineo got. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just so excited to pretty much, like, see her on, like, like, 
See, I say big screen, but I realize this is being put on like a streaming service. So small screen, yeah, a small screen that we can't even watch because HBO Max doesn't exist in Australia. But when it shows up somewhere else, I will be watching it. <laughs> What I want to know is like, in most rom-coms, you always have like those cute adventures, right? What do you do on a spaceship aside from like float in space? French kiss each other. <laughs> With your helmets on, what? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, like pretend. <laughs> Wait, isn't there like a scene? Hold on, I'm like going back. There's like a there's like a scene where they literally both of them put on their little spacesuits and then like, maybe they take oh yeah they take one of like the mini shuttles and they're going to see like is that the sun? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But they're seeing one of the planets together. That's kind of cute. And then there's like a little scene where they're doing like a dance party, little dance party in the spaceship moment. That's cute too. <laughs> Now I want to know, like, okay, we all know where this is going. She's going to break up with her boyfriend on Mars and then end up with Cole Sprouse. But like, how many people are, are on Mars? I just want to know because wouldn't it be awkward? Is like I'm breaking up with you, but hey, I'll see you around around the space station. <laughs> wow, I'd hate to be that guy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like romance is kind of limited when you're. Stuck on a planet with only—I highly doubt they'd have more than a hundred, right? We'll see. I, I think I'm going too much into the technical here. Uh, we're here for for the unrealistic romance. Yes, that's exactly what we like. This definitely feels like a show that you need to switch your brain off for. If yeah, most romances are. This, <laughs> if you try to analyze it, it will just fall apart. It is not meant to work. It is meant to be a fantasy. <laughs> The the less um, realistic, the better, I'd say. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any other dying questions or thoughts? I mean, they use BTS <laughs> universe. Oh my god! Talking earlier Sam. about the <laughs> choice of song, they could have done better. I, don't know, I was fine with this. It was like a little cheesy of a pick, but I guess for in my head, I was like, "Oh, I guess it kind of makes sense." But it is a little bit cheesy. I know, like Celeste and Tracy, they pulled out like a whole <laughs> list of like other songs <laughs> they could have used. Are they as romantic as my universe, though? I mean, you got that line. You, yes, you are my universe. One, what's it called? One, three, four, three, fourteen. It's such a romantic song. Yeah. <laughs> such a romantic song that one. Or universe for EXO. Just putting it out there. Are they both love not songs? Start They're like, yes. Ah, uh, I'll have to check them out. Wait! Oh my God, Tracy! Yes, Exo's universe is actually so good because there's there is like an English part as well that they could just repeat it constantly in the trailer. The, the okay, English I have to part- listen to this in the next discussion. Yes, <laughs> it's so if like, you're wondering why Senya is silent, she's just listening to Universe listen, Exo. Yes, Tracy, that is a brilliant one. Nice. <laughs> Reminds me of Gary Oldman movie. I think it's a movie called Space Between Us, but it's a bad movie. So, ah, uh. oh, the Space Between Us. It was about a kid who was born in the space station, also between Earth and space, of course. Oh yes, I remember this one. I didn't watch it. I love Ace of Butterfield. Yeah, I, I just kind of hope that it's better than this one. It reminds not- me of that, and the first thing comes to mind is like, oh no, this is not going to end well. I mean, it's not very high standards to surpass, right? I don't think there's many like sci-fi romances that lean heavily on the romance. So, nope. unless anyone can think of any, Wally. Oh, Wally. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wally can game. never be beaten. It is the <laughs> ultimate epitome of romance movies overall, internationally. It's going to be hard to top a romance where literally the characters don't talk. <laughs> All they yeah. say are just like beeps and boops in their own names. So. There's so much soul in the beeps and boops, you know, like it can't be beaten. These robots are more human than any human. Anyway, if you have actually any space romance films that you'd recommend, you can let us know at APN. Uh, if you have any ways that we can watch this movie, also here in Australia, you can let us know as well. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, three, two, one, blast off! Thanks for tuning in tonight so far here on Asian Pop Nation, since top spot for all things Asian pop culture related and more. My name is Lisha, and you just heard Itzy's first Japanese single called Voltage, 
We also had Stephanie Poitry featuring Jake with the song called Bad Haircut, coming from her new EP called Oh to Be in Love. And lastly, we played this song Wonderland by Alexa, which, fun fact, this song was performed in the music competition series called American Song Contest. And it has like Kelly Clarkson and Snoop Dogg in the show. And Alexa pretty much is like performing in it to represent the state of Oklahoma. So super cool to see that, but also in the same realm of. I guess representing a particular location, state, country for like a competition setting, we will be diving into the Mr. Global pageant, which happened earlier this month. And it kind of went viral, particularly because of their national costume event, which we as a community radio about Asian music will be the perfect judges for. So let the show begin. Pageant show season is, I guess, happening around, and I tried to think of like some cool little way to like start this segment. So little me goes on like good old web engines and searching it up, and the top slogan I see for pageant shows is "Don't let anyone ever dull your sparkle." So, yeah, guys, that's an. <laughs> That's, I'm ready to sparkle. You're ready to sparkle. Well, JP, great that you say that because this pageant that we're going to be talking about is a male pageant. So what? Time, what? Time for you to sign up for the future years. But damn, all right. We damn. are talking about the Mr. Global pageant show, which is like typically an annual male pageant show, annual slash not so annual because pandemic things. But it started back in 2014. Takes place in Thailand every year, and pretty much on March 15, they concluded their show with like a whole grand finale. And in typical like pageant show fashion, they do like several different rounds. Um, the outfits and stuff that they wear are for like different themes. But the national costume round in particular went really like viral online everywhere with photos being released of the 33 men from various countries wearing outfits that represent their home country and. Pretty much, we're gonna be talking about them, since we all have like access to the costumes. This is like an open session for y'all to just look at the costumes and what's like your first thoughts when you see all of these costumes for this. Yeah, I can I'll- say I'm I'm really excited for the next Tekken. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. No, no, but these like these legit look like fighting game characters. I swear. Really? Yeah, like I don't know which one I'd pick. They all look powerful. Aren't pageants ne- just fighting games anyway? Are they? <laughs> I mean, not like not like combat wise, but you know what I mean. Right. I was in like yeah, the competition, to fighting to win to be like the prettiest boy. That's true. But it's, it's like interesting you say that because there, a few of the costumes they are legitimately holding weapons. Like some of them, like like Malaysia's one, he's holding a keris, which is like a traditional um like knife in Malaysian like history and stuff like that. And then oh yeah, Thailand in part of their costume has like an interesting like a thin shield almost. It's just interesting, yeah. And a couple of them are holding staffs. Indonesia is literally dressed up as like a like a an animal of sorts, very like raw claws and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, what do you guys think of like the costumes? Usually, I'm one of those people that like if I know that there's a competition like this, I just go straight to like my home country's one, look at the costume, and I'm like, okay, cool, and then I click out. But yeah, same. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them look like warriors. A common motif seems to be a lion headdress. I think Vietnam had a dragon on its chest. That was pretty cool. But you know how you said like, that it's like they all dressed up as warriors. Yeah. If you look at Japan, it's like he just woke up, <laughs> rolled yeah, out of bed, and was like, "Yo, throwing his up? legs." <laughs> it looks like one yeah. of the fishermen, you know. Yeah, could it, be. It, it, definitely, I, um, I'm speechless with Japan's one. I just opened it and I was like, "Oh, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of leg." Yeah, it's totally. like the most standard. All of like oh. face. Everyone's face forward, but then Japan's like. That sexy pose, right? When you're like turning yeah. behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just looking. It's interesting to see how they like reinterpret. I guess because some of them went for like full on, like I would say, like Ecuador and Mexico, even and stuff. They like kind of interpret it more as like yeah, bring bringing in more like traditional, I guess, about like traditional costume style. And then some of them went like, okay, hot. That's the theme. Is <laughs> <laughs> like hot men. 
So it's, it's, it, it's interesting for sure. And then out of like curiosity, people who are curious. So for the national costume round in particular, so the winners that they picked were Indonesia, Nigeria, Ecuador, Sri Lanka, and the USA. Don't know how I feel about the US one, but it's fine. I'm going to judge them all and then judge the judges for judging them. This yeah, way. exactly. Yeah. Okay. The US one is like further down in a ball. I just, I always find it cringy when I see the American like It's like a bald red. eagle. Yeah. yeah. I just American find it cringy. Every time they have their red, white, and blue, it's just, I don't know. I, like, this, is what, I, this is what Captain I, America wished he was. <laughs> Wait. He'll never be. Interesting you bring up superheroes. So, you know, okay. They did the same round back in like 2019. And I saw this photo that USA for the national costume round, they literally just wore like a Superman costume. Really? It was just flat out like a Superman outfit. And that was it. Well, everyone yeah. else is like bringing in traditional attire and like making it more like huzzah. But well, it was- I mean, for an American, that's the most traditional you can get. Clark Kent. <laughs> Clark Kent. <laughs> oh, God. That's it. Oh, that's it. It's just, I don't know. So it was interesting that they picked US in the top five, but whatever. But I think the other four, so Indonesia, Nigeria. Nigeria is slaying. (laughs) (laughs) And Sri Lanka. I think those are like, those were good picks. They're really good. Sri Lanka's one is really cool. I love the detail of like just everything. It's insane to me. Just one last thing. Why is Macau like a mix between a traditional outfit and a bike? Like a motorbike outfit. Oh, oh, the moment you said motorbike, I was like, oh, it's this guy holding the helmet in his hands. Yeah. It was, he's a modern man who's um, rooted in his tradition still. I like that. Okay, yeah. you can move on to the next one now, Alicia. Okay. My question is <laughs> <laughs> So this pageant, like seeing these photos and everything, reminded me of another pageant that actually happened like, way 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 back in December when we were inactive taking a break so we didn't get to talk about it but it reminded me of the Miss Grand International competition which is like a female pageant show and they also did like a national costume round you know Miss Germany um she's wearing like this sort of red riding hood costume it looks like those costumes that like you find (laughs) at the supermarket like those raunchy kinds Mm mm-hmm yeah it's it's a t- but if you like scroll up oh, Australia's uh-huh. one I hate Australia's one anyway Australia's but- <laughs> one oh. what's Australia's one which oh. one is that I guess Vietnam's look like a mix between a flight attendant and I don't know a bird oh, her hers rep- I I like saw it like represented because like COVID and stuff so it was like a representation of like oh. the healthcare workers and stuff yeah and That's it's like smart. a mercy mercy angel and stuff like that yeah. Malaysia's one killed it. I'm just saying it. Killed it. Like, that's insane to me. It's literally, it's part of her costume. It's all, like, all those mannequins and stuff. It is, it's insane to me. It's beautiful. And she was a one overall for that entire, like, thing. Ooh. But it just reminded me of this other pageant. Yeah, Australia's one is so bad. It's just, yeah. like, it's just like a butterfly cape. Cape, and she's just wearing... Netherlands this- is just a race card, like... <laughs> <laughs> Like the lady that just waves the flag. <laughs> and France one is just like, isn't that just like a French stereotype? It's a beret and like, it's just a beret. It's not a like stereotype a of a French person, where is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> feeding into it. I was just like, huh? Yeah, these ones are like insane. So I was just like, y'all y'all just needed to like see, see these ones because it just, this male one reminded me of the Miss Grand International Competition. But I've never seen national costumes this detailed before mm. like this is a really detailed pageant yeah these are insane and it's all like a pageant show that i've just like i legitimately just never heard prior until these photos all like came up so oh girl maybe time to keep keep an eye on miss grand international more than this universe i don't i don't know <laughs> but, <laughs> but how I'll- can i get a costume like that <laughs> yes any um costume designers who work on all these pageant shows um, contact us on Asian Foundation. Sponsor <laughs> us, please. Sponsor us. Yeah, dress us all up, every single one of us. And then we do our own APN beauty pageant. So <laughs> that would be such a good fit for radio. <laughs> yeah, that would work, work out so well in a radio context. Yeah. Like, really everyone can see our outfits. Everyone can this. hear our amazing outfits. <laughs> <laughs> what 
what a selection of songs we just had back to back tonight on Asian Pop Nation. We played two songs requested from our listener Matthew, which you can also leave your own request via our Asian Pop Nation socials. Wink, wink. But first was the song Tanatan from the band Bloody Wood, and the second request was from Sisters Anima with the song titled Setai Kenkon Shiona. The final song you heard was the latest solo release from GOT7 member Mark Tuan with his song called Lonely, which works surprisingly well right now since I am alone and lonely for this album review segment tonight as the second only other person in the APN team who is a Red Velvet fan besides our behind-the-scenes editor team member Ethan. Let's just shake our hands for this moment but yes hello it's me Alicia and I will be giving a review of the latest ninth mini album to come from SM Entertainment's five-member K-pop girl group Red Velvet with their new album titled The Re-Festival 2022 Feel My Rhythm which was released on March 21st this year. Red Velvet is my favorite musical artist just in general but I swear I will keep this review as unbiased as possible. So this new album, Feel My Rhythm by Red Velvet, features six songs, which was promoted to kind of set Red Velvet as like the spring queens, at least from like what I noticed during promotion time. I will be talking about each song like individually in the album, but we of course got to start with the main title track, Feel My Rhythm, which is a song that at least within my circle, I saw some people a little bit divided in because it does mix the sample from Bach, yes, the classical musician Bach himself with air on the G string. So it mixes that classical sample with a more trap beat. But for me personally, it was literally love at first sight with this song. And instantly, this became one of my like top favorite titles from them. Like their vocals are just so heavenly, even though the rapping parts the rapping parts are not my favorite, but typically Red Velvet is like not the group I go for with the mindset of rapping being like the main thing. So it's kind of like whatever for me, but the song overall, especially the chorus and the bridge into the final chorus. Oh my god, it is again, heavenly is the word I will be using because I just I feel like I am floating with this song. But again, we got to be moving on to the B-sides, aka the rest of the album. Which, something I do want to say about this album. So, um, our team, when we did our, like, Taeon IMVU album review way back, one of our critiques was kind of how the ordering of the songs in that album didn't really, like, flow together. Like, some songs just didn't feel right being right next to another song. Well, for this Red Velvet album, I think the team nailed it with this one because, okay, let me go to it. So right after Feel My Rhythm is Rainbow Halo, which FYI, um, my least favorite song in the album, but it's still really good. I think Rainbow Halo compliments right after Feel My Rhythm so well because Rainbow Halo in comparison just feels like such a easy listen and it's still pretty fast paced, but it's definitely doesn't mix like genres as aggressively as Feel My Rhythm. And then we go to Beg For Me, which is like the big wild card moment. It's like a slap in the face right after Rain- Rainbow Halo and Feel My Rhythm. I don't, I don't want to fangirl about how insane that song is, but yeah, that's wild. And then we get to literally one of the best Red Velvet B-sides I have heard to date, which is Bambaleo. Oh my god, it is Red Velvet's like entry into the city pop genre and Oh, they literally excel it to, like, the highest degree. I cannot speak about it enough. It is my top fair song in the entire album. But then we move into Good, Bad, and Ugly. It's instantly perfect for a study playlist. Very, like, jazzy. Very, just very chill, very mellow. And this is when you know it's the sign that we're getting slowly into, like, the ballad territory. And here is the main ballad for this album, In My Dreams, which ballads are not my most favorite genres. And I know... Almost every single album in the world has an obligatory ballad entry, but this ballad, you do not need to know Korean to know how heart-wrenching this ballad is. And this just converted me into listening to one ballad, and it, it is this ballad. This, in my dreams, is insane, but 
Um, it's not spring in Australia, but I definitely feel like I am in the spring season when I'm listening to this whole album. And again, to me, it is one of their best, most recent like mini albums just ever. It is on par with, I don't know, the the really bad boy mini album. To me, this album, this album is really good. Um, it makes me. <laughs> It makes me have a little bit of a pride moment of like, yep, those are my girls. Those are, that's my favorite group right there. And they just came out with like an A plus album. It's, it's good. I just highly recommend it so much. But yeah, let us know your thoughts about the Feel My Rhythm album by Red Velvet. What do you like about the album? What didn't you like about it? Share all those thoughts on Asian Palm Nation via Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We love a little back-to-back moment of songs all from Asian female artists. First coming from the group Red Velvet with their new song titled Feel My Rhythm, which we just did a review about for a little bit earlier in the show, which you can also check out on the Asian Foundation podcast, available anywhere and everywhere you listen to your podcasts. We also played Kape by Min, which comes from her first ever album release called 50-50. And lastly, we played Lilas by Sawano Hiroyuki and Honaka Takahashi, which is also the ending song for episode 23 of the anime series 86. Good timing because one of our team members, Aaron, is going to be talking all about the season finale of this very anime series called 86. So take it away, Aaron. I might have mentioned this last year that there was a certain show called A6. It was my second favorite show well, anime for 2021. And I still well considered that back then. But last two weeks ago, we had the final two episodes of A6, second part of season one. Hopefully, it is season one. If not, we're getting a season two. Hopefully, if not, season in general. Uh, they got released two years, maybe two weeks ago, episode 22 and episode 23. And for once, our taxi, you've been dethroned for once in your life. 86. No way. No way. Yes. Yes way? Where is the streaming? Yes. Where is the streaming? What, 86? Yeah. Crunchyroll. Okay, I'm adding this to the list. Continue, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 86, you finally won Anime of the Year for 2021, and you're on the runner-up for this year. So I'm cheating, but I don't care. It deserves it. Might as well get a little bit of explanation about 86. If you don't know what 86 is, 86 is basically a uh, light novel sci-fi. Anyway, that was written by Asado Asado and illustrated by Shichiro, uh, by Shichirabi. It received an anime adaptation from A1 Pictures. And especially, it would air from April from 2021 from March 2022. And the reason why we had that massive gap between between 21 22 is because the last few episodes, especially in October to December, the second half of 86, uh, that got delayed multiple times due to A, production schedule, B, animation studio, C, shaft storage and all that stuff, and C, we also had a Japanese premiere special events happening in there. So we got a couple of weeks to delay in there. So we were happy with the last part. But when episode 21 had a massive Moments like we're done for this moment. We'll wait for three months for a part two. Wait for the last two episodes to come out. We were all mad. We were all sad. Yeah, this is right for eighty six. The Republic of Saint Magnolia has been an ongoing war with the, for nine years with the with the Galenian Empire, who created the unmanned drones, also known as the Legion. We follow two main protagonists: Major Valentine Lena Mills, who is a part of the Regalian of San Magalian's army, and also the handler of the Process Squadron and all the Republic of Iron drones called the Juggernauts. A war which is promised to happen with casualties with the usage of drones. Boom! That's a lie! And it's proven, which of course is false. And now, on the other half, we have Shinozen, also known as a quote-unquote named Undertaker, is now one of the is one of the public soldiers of the 86s, who are, no, who are controlling the drones of well, the Juggernauts. And this is when the story between two characters matches. Uh, follow uh, what's going on, what's, what's going on with with uh, the Legion, but at the same time also happening outside of their own district. And this is where the show becomes really well done with this direction and animation wise and music we'll get to that later but yeah i'm hoping for that well has anyone seen 86 beside me no i haven't okay do yourself a favor what's up in the recording you're watching it i have to yes oh man all right fine if it's if it's from you aaron if it's a request from you then i'll do it get out of the recording session right now jp <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, it is, yeah, but other than that, the animation team is well done because it is from A1 Pictures. And I have some quotes with A1 Pictures in the past with some shows and all that stuff. But this one, I think this is probably the best work they've ever done, in my opinion. And consider this is from director, uh, how can I say your name right? I apologize if I'm pronouncing your name right. Toshi Masada Ishii. This is his first time ever directing 
an anime before, like in it, like any anime possible. You guys, you got some shows that he's done, like storyboards, animation director, and especially some episodic director, but some with other shows in the past. No, this is his first time full on animation, wait, full on anime director debuted. So yeah. And consider this is like something you see in a movie, like cinematography and all that stuff. It is amazing what he can do. I'm kind of sad that no anime has ever done. I'm kind of sad that no other animation team or anime has done something similar to what Asics doing, really, because you get two characters' perspective, but at the same time, it's cinema. Like the whole show is cinematic. That's it. Do I want me to keep talking about why I like 86 a lot? Keep going, dude. Keep going. Okay, I might as well keep going with the music, which again is composed by my godfather, Hideki Sawano. Well, really? Yes, he's my godfather. <laughs> oh my god, he's everywhere. Yes, he's my godfather. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, and also he is quote unquote student, if we call him student, is Koto Yamanoto. And I like the soundtrack for 86 a lot. I consider that's probably the third best soundtrack ever made for 2021. And yes, I say it a lot because I've been listening to Voices of the Court a lot, and that song, that track alone, one song, one vocal of the year for the soundtrack-wise. I don't care. I'm cheating on the rules, but I don't care. But yeah, for the vocal-wise, Sona wins that round, but with instrumental-wise, Kyoto and Yamanoto won that moment. Won, uh, actually deserve a lot of um, praises for that one because the uh, soft melody answer actually focuses on the happiest software moments on stuff. You want peace? Kill Tim and doing it. You want war? Sono does it. Yes, I like Sono's war and all that stuff, but the vocals win that round. But for the peaceful moments, Kill Tim and wins that round. Enemies and for opening endings, I didn't like the, the first opening. I don't mind the second endings. Wait, the endings for the first half of the series, I enjoy a lot because Sono is an own care Abbott and heads up to the sky. Amazing. But the second half of the show, I like, to, I like the second opening. Don't mind the ending for the second ending anyway yeah but the last ending that appeared in episode 23 again that was Sono, but by Sono, which of course it was done by like which is called the song's called lilius and it came out the same day that 86 aired for the final episode and overall just give the show a shot if you get the chance watch 86 i don't care i am praising it way too much so someone please watch it for me i, I will care. watch it for you don't worry aaron yay yeah yeah, other than that, thank you for listening to this little rant and praise. And also, I'm glad 86 is now finally over for the moment, anyway. But yeah, if you enjoyed 86, if you've seen 86 or got anything to mention about 86, please talk to us on AsiaPubNation.com. And um, especially follow us on other social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, stay safe, wear a mask, wash your hands, and get the chance to watch 86 right now because I am so going to stop. If I don't talk about it right now, if I don't get stop, I'm going to spoil everything, especially what happens in the recap episode. I don't care. There's like five of them, maybe four of them in general. No, yeah. There's like three to four recap episodes of 86. I don't care. I like it. That's all I can say. Have a pleasant day. 86 rules. Hey, you're tuning in to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. My name is Leisha, the EP around here. And you just heard Sorry's Can't Stop This Party. We also played a collaboration track from two Asian American artists, Tui featuring Pilo with the R&B track called Inhibitions. And lastly, we played another collaboration track called Damn Girl from Japanese artist Crazy Boy featuring the one and only Jackson Wang. It's always just really cool to be able to play collaboration tracks in particular that feature people from various different cultures just coming together and other things which can be considered really cool or maybe not so in the case of this new topic is more anime adaptation announcements. We in APN are kind of in a roll with these and every time we think it's over, more just keep coming. So let's prep ourselves for the anime adaptation announcements for Tekken and for a manga, which I'll just let JP say the name of this one during the discussion. Let's go. Just a question for everyone. Has, uh, have people here played Tekken before? Yeah. Um, yeah, you played? Yeah. How about you, yes. Leisha? Um, no. <laughs> really? And oh, I know it, it exists and it's a very like, like, it's a very household like name, but mm -hmm. I've never played it. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's a little like Street Fighter in a way, like it's just, you know, that popular. Um, but for people that do like Tekken, um, good news. There's a Tekken anime coming. It's going to be released on Netflix. And in terms of release dates, all we know is that it'll be later in 2022. And that in terms of the story, it will focus on the character Jin Kazama as the protagonist who embarks himself on this quest for revenge after this big monster like kills his mom and he's like orphaned. Like it really sucks. Like he's just he's a sad boy. Uh, so 
I guess in his quest for revenge, he adopts his family's self-defense technique known as the Kazama-style traditional martial arts, which will surely lead him to eventually facing the ultimate battle of the King of Iron Fist tournament. So, yeah, that's actually, in terms of that anime, that's literally all the news we have. Like, we don't know anything Mm -hmm. else. We don't know who the director is. We don't really know what studio is working on it. We don't know any voice actors, no details. Um, but what we do have is a little trailer showing some of the footage of it. Um, Aaron, did you watch it? Yeah, I have. Like, yeah. Just um, now, really. Just now? Give me your honest thoughts on the animation. Uh, it's meh, I guess. Meh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little meh. I see you laughing, Leisha. I just thought it was so funny. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just thought it was so funny y'all saying it was meh, because, yeah, um, it's yeah <laughs> yeah you know it's, his hair kind of distracts me from like everything else in the movie or like in this trailer i'll be honest that's my yeah, it's <laughs> yeah i i don't know what's going on with the show honestly and like for for an adaptation of a fighting game you think the fights would look really cool and stuff right like you think the animations would be cool but yeah. here it's it's very much they use 3d animation these 3d models oh yeah uh, yeah 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 yeah. you stuff. can definitely tell yeah i'm looking at this one yeah. random fighting shot in the trailer and the moment you sit down i was like yeah it definitely yeah. looks like that's what they're going for <sighs> yeah i know and it, it's it's unfortunate you know because tekken like as a game series it's so interesting because mm-hmm. all of the characters in tekken are from around the world so mm-hmm. like yeah so um you know you got a lot of japanese characters and they fight in certain japanese martial arts styles or then you have like a brazilian character who fights in a brazilian martial arts style it's really cool you get all this it's like super culturally diverse and um it's such a shame that this is what it's getting as an adaptation so i don't know let's see where it goes it could be good who knows um yeah yeah for now it's meh but we can't judge the future so that's actually one of two announcements we have for you this segment the second segment which is actually not second segment the second announcement actually which is very interesting is an anime adaptation anime adaptation for a manga called uh, i kid you not dead dead demons dead 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 destruction i've heard this one yeah i'm sure you've heard of it so this manga was done by asano inio and he wrote manga uh solanin and most famously goodnight pun pun oh 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 my god goodnight pun pun yeah goodnight pun pun this guy wrote goodnight pun pun that was a really good manga rather you read all of it oh that was wow yeah yeah how depressed were you <laughs> i was well depressing is not the right word it's more like i'm scarred from reading it again yes yeah, scarred and traumatized zania have you read goodnight pun pun i i couldn't get through it it's just like you think it would, I just hoped it would get hopeful, but it just went darker and darker yeah, it, and it was it just gets, no reprieve. <laughs> it's a very dark story, but uh, surprisingly poignant as a story. Uh, that's it. But anyway, we're not here talking about Goodnight Pun Pun. We're talking about Dead Dead Demons, Dead Dead Destruction. And uh, happily for you, Xenia, this is actually, it's a little lighter in terms of tone. Um, hey! Yeah, it is really. So the story is about an alien invasion. <laughs> yeah. Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the massive pause. Yeah, it, it's just an alien invasion. Um, a big giant spaceship has descended on top of Tokyo and it's floating there. And people are scared with what's going on. What are these aliens doing here? But the whole story is actually about the lives of two high school girls and them dealing with growing up and just dealing with life in general. Yeah, I think you'd like this one, Xenia. I think it's not going to be hard to make it a series happier than Pun Pun. So yeah, sure. No, it's not hard. But yeah, this is, it's actually, um, it's very interesting. So it's almost like tonally, you have this slice of life sort of story. But then as things go on and the tension with the aliens gets bigger, like lots of politics start coming in as well. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see where this animation goes. Um, as far as details um, we do know that it will be animated by production plus H. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We don't know much about this adaptation either. So two adaptations are very mysterious. We don't know what's going on with them. If you got any thoughts on these adaptations, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. 
This is Asian Palm Nation here on Sin. My name is Lisha, and you were just listening to Cecilia Galt's single called Kira Kira. We also played a song by Nakakumi, which kind of gives off early Shibuya K vibes called Awayo Kuba, which comes from their latest EP titled Expo. And lastly, we played K pop male good. K-pop male group Cravity with their song titled Adrenaline, which you can see why the title suits for the next topic we're going to be talking about tonight as the APN team go a little bit wild and have our adrenaline pumping when talking about the two new seasons that are announced for the anime, Fully Coolie, which is called Fully Coolie Grunge and Fully Coolie Shoe Gaze. Let's not prolong the potential mayhem that's going to occur during the segment, so let's just go. So if you're listening in on the earlier segments, we had a few interesting anime adaptations, but we also have one more, which is also interesting in that it's uh, bad. <laughs> okay, why did you say bad? What's going on here? Yeah, it's a... Uh, okay, so Toonami, as part of their 25th anniversary, which is a, it's an American television programming block, part of like their TV network there, Adult Swim, um, they made an official announcement that two new seasons of Fooly Cooly are coming. Um, and, the se- and the titles of these seasons were Fooly Cooly Grunge and Fooly Cooly Shoegaze, which are set to premiere in 2023. I don't like this. Why? Why? Because don't... I'll tell you why, Aaron. It's because the original is so good that literally nothing else can top it and any attempt to reboot it uh, just, uh, I don't know, a sin against humanity basically, is what it is. Um, but for context, Fooly Cooly um, originally was an OVA anime series. It was released in, I believe, two, the year 2000, and it was created by Kosya Tsurumaki and the Fooly Cooly Production Committee that consisted of companies such as Gainax, Production IG, and King Records, very big names. And the series has, uh, it's, has since received two other seasons during 2018 called Fooly Cooly Progressive and Fooly Cooly Alternative, which I believe you watched, Aaron? Those are the first one I that was my first experience with Fully Cooley and before I went to the original. Yes, the original. Um, yeah. the original story, that story follows uh Naoto Nandaba. He's a 12-year-old boy whose life is basically disturbed and turned upside down with the arrival of this mysterious girl called Haruko Harahara. She basically makes his life a living hell for six episodes, and it's the greatest thing ever. Um, the whole show is a metaphor for basically puberty, and I can't believe they actually pulled it off and made it so good. Um, but Aaron, I'm curious, what did you think of Progressive and Alternative? Again, this is before me getting into the original series. When I first got into Fully Cooly, I thought it was an okay series. The only reason I watched it because uh, the dubbing studio, NYV Post, was doing the dub for both series. And I was okay, which I was excited for because they were my favorite dub studios of anime, of course. And I watched it. I thought it was okay for both. I mean, yeah, they have some holes, they have some problems, but I thought it was okay. It wasn't the greatest, and that was pretty much it. The animation was good, but that's it. Things sure. meh. Yeah. How about the original though? Because I know you watched it a little later. Yeah, I watched it probably like a year, maybe two years later after watching both of them. Anyway, before after watching the newest ones, mm-hmm. then watching original because a friend of mine, like he had the VHS tapes. I don't know how he even got that, but he doesn't know. Yeah, we watched them, and I had a blast at that point. Surprisingly, I had like a moment of like, "What the heck is going on?" I was like, playing like that doesn't sound right, but that is cool. That shouldn't be possible, but it is." And the themes for that original series actually works a lot more better than the act- than the newest ones we got. The message, yeah. Like, meaning the messages and the characters and the development and stuff, they work a lot better. That's yes, cool. that's true. And, and, and that's that's how it is just by virtue of it being the original. Lisha, do you watch a lot of anime? Um, <laughs> I feel like we've done this radio thing for a while now. I feel like... You know my stance on this. Right. That, um, yeah. No... But I did not watch as much anime anymore. Um, but I have heard of Fully Cooly during like my time when I was getting into anime. But not gonna mm. lie, it was one of those anime series that gave me the same vibe as like people who talk about Wes Anderson movies, where it's like, oh, it's so indie, it's so cool, you won't get it. And I'm just like, okay, you. No, no. Let me let me tell you now. It, it is it is indie. It is experimental, but it's like the coolest thing ever. I swear. It's, See, Wes Anderson. It is so so. No, no. Okay, well, I love Wes Anderson. I love his movies, but. I, I know what you mean, right? Like, you know, they're really like uppity and going, <laughs> yes, quite, <laughs> you know, and they're wearing suits and everything. But no, Fully Cooly is sick. Everything is rock. You like rock music? Well, you like Fully Cooly. It's all rock. 
<laughs> you don't like rock music. Yeah, what if you don't like rock music? Uh, then you will after this show. <laughs> Seriously, it's so cool. Um, I think turning red will have a better puberty. No, no. Story. no. Oh, cool. Okay, okay. You know, is it cringe? Okay. Yeah, is it cringe? <laughs> if turning red is the coming of is like the cartoony zany coming of age story for girls, fully coolie is what it is for boys. <laughs> I wanted to say something so much. Is it a coming of age story? Yes, yes it, it is, is a, a coming, coming of age, age story. story. Yes. Everything, every single weird thing that happens is symbolism for coming of age, at least some part of it. And all three fully coolies, they all have a coming of age stories, but they all have like different values and all that stuff. Yeah, and the original does it best. Like, for example, Xenia, I'll, I'll describe something that happens to you in the first episode. You have the boy, I forgot his name, Naota, right? And he's just at a bridge chilling. And all of a sudden, this random girl in a Vespa rides in with an electric guitar and smashes him over the head. She, he's not wrong. Oh, it's just coming of age. <laughs> no, it's, com- it's coming of age, right? So he- Is it a symbolism for puberty, smashing a no, guitar no, over no, your head? No, the symbolism of puberty is the bump that stays on his head for like the next six episodes after. Like, it looks like a rod just sticking out of his forehead. It's and like, you know, <laughs> not just a pimple. Imagine- Okay. Think think about this in a more like imagine you're Freud, and you see this boy, and there's like this weird, like bump, long bump sticking out of his head. Like think of the imagery, the symbolism of that. Come on. Um. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it just so, can't come down. Is that what you're implying? Well, he he tries his best to make it come down, but then during certain critical points of the story, like when big monsters come in or when big fights happen, it just pops out and uh, a giant okay. robot. A giant. Okay. I'm not lying when I say so, this. At so certain you... points, Xenia, okay. a giant. At certain points, the bump in his head grows so large that a giant robot comes out of it and fights for him. He's not I'm wrong. still like I'm. I'm really trying here, JP, to sort of see the coming <laughs> of age metaphor. Okay, see ser- what I mean? Seriously, seriously, <laughs> please. Please watch Fully Cooley. Naota, yeah. okay, like the whole point, Naota, he's like the cynical 12-year-old boy that hates everyone and hates adults and hates kids. He's just like, man, uh, I, I just want to be like, I want to be grown up. I want to be mature, maturer than everyone else. But then like, turns out he's still a kid. He's trying to like figure things out. That's the whole story, Xenia. It's so cool. Has this convinced you, Leisha, to get back into anime? Um, honestly, it just pushed me to like the furthest <laughs> No! Oh my god, it's so cool. It's no, so give cool. me, give me, give me Jujutsu Kaisen content, and I'm Jujutsu- back. Okay, but okay. Give me You like Jujutsu Kaisen? You I like, like I like the hot characters in Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> <laughs> Are there hot characters in Fully Cooly? Is what Leisha's trying to apply. Jujutsu Kaisen is bad. Okay, this is not the time to talk about Aaron. We're trying to win her. Interest. Yeah, I know a random why because it's not exactly a good show. Okay, this is what I mean about fully coolly. I don't oh, want to watch it because everyone who likes fully coolly is pretentious. Aaron, Aaron, I'm trying to evangelize here. You're messing up my operation. I swear. Oh my I'm god. I'm giving a list of why fully no, has a no, lot Lisha, of things Lisha. more important than Jujutsu Kaisen because Jujutsu Kaisen has a lot of things that doesn't have value oh, mingle. No, Aaron, no, Aaron, no. That's not the way to do it. You can't just, oh my. Okay, Leisha. <laughs> just that ruined everything. That Leisha, ruined if you like the fight scenes in Jujutsu yes. Kaisen, you, do you like the fight scenes? I do. I do yeah? like the fight scenes in Jujutsu Kaisen. Okay. You will like the fight scenes in Fully Cooley. Yeah, I mean, but Aaron gave a whole spiel about No, <laughs> don't listen to Aaron. Aaron, I, I disown him. He is not my <laughs> child. <laughs> yes. During this era of anime in general, animators had a lot more money. And they had yes. a lot more time and they had lots and lots of passion. Watch Fully Cooley, and you can tell that every frame of the show, the animators enjoyed working on this. And in terms of the fight scenes, they are very well drawn, very technical, very exciting, well shot. The music goes along with it very well. In terms of a cinematic experience, it's the coolest thing ever. Yep. And I mean that sincerely. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so my final opinion is. I will also give radio silence like Xenia after. Oh my god. <laughs> after like on taxi and 86 and all the anime, I still need to watch. <laughs> yeah. Put it nice. in your list at least. It's one of the classics and greats for a reason. If you like the original Fooly Cooly and don't like the new adaptations, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. 
Hey, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. We were just playing some songs. First, a brand new debut track from the Go Group XG called Tippy Toes. We also played a little bit of a jazzy slash R&B number from Jin Wam called Brooklyn Ballers. And lastly, we played a song called Hey by Tama, which you can definitely tell I say hey a lot, especially as the starting point for the show for pretty much this whole season so far. Moving along, however, we are sadly approaching the end of our show tonight. The final one for the March month also, which like, can you even believe that? But nevertheless, we had an eventful show tonight with our APN team of Xenia, Celeste, Tracy, Aaron, and JP, and myself, Leisha, giving our thoughts ranging from Lana Condor finally being in another movie, but this time in like a space romance setting to reviews of the latest Red Velvet album titled Feel My Rhythm and the season finale of the anime series 86 plus so much more anime adaptations like just anime adaptation announcements that we can't seem to escape from just like the weird food combo discussions in the past but yes <laughs> thank you so much for joining us once again myself Leisha and our team of Senya, Celeste, Tracy, JP and Aaron tonight and before we say our farewells there's still a couple of songs we can play tonight for you guys first coming from American Vietnamese artist Hana Vui with her song titled Parking Lot remember you can always tune in to Asian Pop Nation every Tuesday from 8pm onwards right here on Sin hope everyone has a great end to March and good night everyone